0: In today's episode, we're continuing my conversation with Nate Skelly, and we'll get right to that here in just a moment. But first, I do want to make sure that if you haven't yet, you're subscribed to Connection Culture, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also check out our YouTube channel and subscribe there at youtube.com slash bust increase. And of course, you're going to want to make sure that you sign up for our weekly uh, emails where we simply send you the latest episode right to your inbox. You can sign up for that at mustincrease.com slash cc. That's mustincrease.com slash letter C, letter C. And of course, speaking of subscribing to podcasts, you're going to want to check out Nate's podcast, the Financial Pathway Podcast. You can find that, again, on Apple or Spotify, wherever you're listening. Or you can head over to his website, nateskelly.com. And while you're there, I want to encourage you to check out his monthly newsletter called The Money Minute. It's a lot of insightful stuff. It's not one of those uh, spam junk newsletters that you don't want to get. No, it only arrives once a month. And I know I look forward to getting it, and I think you'll find it really helpful. So, again, head over to nateskelly.com and get connected with Nate. Sign up for his newsletter. Subscribe to his podcast and speaking of me, I'm looking forward to continuing my conversation with him. My name is Luke Clayton, and this is Connection Culture.
1: It's way easier to sort of pander and say, hey, we care, so we're spending more in this area. and. Um, it's one of the big weaknesses of democracy and representative government.
0: Yeah, it's true. Well, again, I didn't want to dive down that rabbit hole too far, but um, yeah, I think what um, you know, and this is what I genuinely wonder in is just having reassurance that my life, in terms of how I behave and what I do in terms of my finances, aren't. Yes, inflation, we all have to deal with it. You know, we have to deal with these things. But, you know, by and large, my life uh, and what I do is not drastically affected by the government's, you know, lack of fiscal responsibility.
1: Yeah, I mean, yes or no. Um, I mean, we're all paying more than we were a year ago. Yeah. And part of that is, you know, who's calling the shots. Um, so it does have an effect. Does it? um, But I, I think to me, what's healthy in your finances is spending your time focusing on what you can control. Mm. Um, It's really unhealthy spending most of your time up in arms about things that you have no control over. It's just not a good way to live your life. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you shouldn't be involved and vote and be informed because you absolutely should. But should you be, you know, kind of wringing your hands and just you know shouting at the sky all the time? because of stuff that you don't have a say in. No. And if you'll make smart decisions, if you'll make wise financial decisions, I mean, you'll be able to be just fine regardless of those things that are going on. Um, And kind of speaking of inflation and and, um, just poor management and economic collapse. um, I just saw earlier this week so in russia we all know what's what's going on with russia and ukraine mm-hmm. their their economy is tanking big time yeah. um the ruble is their currency and it dropped 30% in a matter of just like a few days wow uh, so i mean think about that think about a 30% drop in the value of your currency that within just a couple in the matter of just a couple of weeks, because your leader decided to invade another country, now your money can buy thirty percent less mm-hmm. than it could have a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that's just that's crazy. Yeah. And on top of that, the um, the Russian stock market dropped about the same. It dropped about thirty three percent in one day because um, of all the sanctions that are in place. Um, so putting sanctions on Russia. A lot of you know Western countries refusing to do business with them. They, um, yeah. You, you haven't heard of SWIFT, have you?
0: A little bit, yeah. This is uh, something to do with banking and wire transfers, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's the system that was set up to kind of facilitate transactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently, at least from what I saw, they were going to kick Russia out, which is a huge blow because mm-hmm. Russia has this big war chest of like 600 and something billion dollars to like of reserves Mm -hmm. the problem is though if no one else will transact with you what good is it you know like got this money sitting ready to go but if you can't use the international banking system to do you know to transfer that money to do anything with it then it's 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 worthless to you yeah um and actually, this is an interesting kind of experiment, if you will, about um, with cryptocurrency, because a lot of people are like, oh, you know what Russia is going to do is they're going to just use cryptocurrency. Problem with that is that everything on cryptocurrency is traceable through blockchain. Hmm. So it's like, you, you remember the um, you remember those those folders that were like inter department mail folders to where it's like a manila folder. And then there would be lines and it would yeah. be like, you know, you write who it's from and then who it's going to. Mm-hmm. And then the next person would cross it out and then they'd write the next one. So you could just reuse that folder. And then, yeah. you know, it just, you just goes back and forth between the same organization. Like that's kind of what blockchain does. Hmm. Like it's, it's a, it's a, um, it's a ledger. So you don't necessarily know the identity like the actual like you know physical identity of, of the person, but the, the 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 account, the wallet, wherever it's coming from is traceable to that regard. So if there's huge amounts of money that moves through the blockchain, you know, and, and moves move through cryptocurrency, people will see it. Yeah. So they'll you know they'll know what's what's up. Mm-hmm. So it'd be really hard to move $630 billion or you know, however much they're gonna want to move through those means because it's pretty obvious who, that's, yeah. <laughs> who that is yeah that exactly <laughs> um, so it's um, so they're kind of stuck it's yeah. uh, it's really it's it's really kind of amazing how just it's evolved with with our modern financial system yeah. um, that we could basically because you know, like back in the day what would you do like you you'd set up an embargo You'd like put ships outside like the port, right? Yeah. Nobody can come in out of this port. Well, like that's not really feasible these days or not in this case, it's not feasible, but it's like a, it's like a digital embargo. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, it's, it's kind of the same thing, but it's happening all on the internet, all online. Yeah. And it's kind of amazing to see in, in real time.
0: Yeah, it is. Well, and I, I heard somebody commenting the other day, um, some pundit about, you know, how this more or less, it's not to say that avoiding outright war and conflict, it's not It's not saying that's completely unavoidable, but it is amazing what we're able to do to essentially uh, put efforts forth to end a war, to end an invasion without really having to technically go to war. At least, you know, send in troops and all of that stuff. Um, that really, like you said, the possibilities, you know, even honestly, 20, 30 years ago, weren't even there. Um, yeah. So it, it is an interesting dynamic that it brings uh, it, nowadays.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so between the combination of inflation and now Russia and Ukraine, and and you know, where is that going to go? It does get people really worried. And I get that. I mean, I it's concerning to me. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think this is, again, one of those, Every year, it seems like there's a new test to our conviction. We talk about, yeah, you have to invest for the long term and you have to, you know, not try to time the market. And, you know, so we all say that and it's easy to say in a vacuum as far as like, if nothing else is going on, it's like, yes, invest for the long term. Don't try to time the market and don't, you know, but then when stuff like this happens, you're like, oh, do I, do I need to be doing something like really drastic here? Because what if. What if you know another country supplies weapons to Ukraine and then Russia decides to act, you know, aggressively act towards them, or you know, and would use this? Are we going into World War Three? And and um, it was a really great blog. I've I've really enjoyed his articles. It's called "Of Dollars and Data" or "Data," I guess, however you want to say that. Um, the guy's name is Nick, and I don't even know know how to pronounce his last name because it's it's an Italian name and it's got a lot of vowels, but it's really good. He's done a series of, of blog posts here recently about just that, like, hey, you, what happens in times like this when there's international conflicts, when there's war? How does it all shake out? And I mean, every single time you realize, okay, you got to play the long game. You can't get too caught up in what's going on here and say, Oh, I, I think I need to move money out of stocks. I need to move it over here and wait for this dip. And because you don't know. In fact, even like during World War I, like 1941, Pearl Harbor, mm-hmm. all that, like you would think like Hitler is invading Europe and like the entire world is embroiled in this, you know, existential conflict. You would think the market would be like way down. Mm-hmm. But I believe if memory serves me well from looking at the, the chart from the market was up that year. Mm-hmm. And we'd certainly had some dips at times, but you said like, how, how does that happen? Like, in fact, actually, what was interesting is the, the day of like the, the first market trading day after the invasion market opened way down. Like it was like down two or 3%, you know, just to begin with, because people are like, ah, here we go.
0: Yeah. That's yeah.
1: It. This is not going to be good. By the end of the day, it would have traded positive. It just turned around in mm-hmm. a few short trading hours. And since then it's popped up and down several times. So it's just interesting. It's interesting to see how how people react, how the market reacts. And we have to keep in mind too is the market is it's forward looking. So like the market is not telling you what it thinks things are worth now. It's telling you what it thinks it's worth is going forward. Mm-hmm it's all, it's all forward looking. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's just been interesting. And again, I mean, for everybody that's concerned, it's like, I hear you, I share your concerns, but at the same time, this is not the time to be making radically different decisions and saying this time it's different because it's, it's not. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, I get different set of circumstances, but, but the, the overarching principles remain the same. So yeah.
0: Well, around this time two years ago, when you know COVID was really starting, and I mean the markets tanked bad, and people were freaking out and selling off, and I mean not three months later, you know, by the time we hit to the summer, I mean the market was booming, um, yeah. and, and so yeah, it, that is something that uh, you hear from guys like you and financial guys of like, hey, you're, you need to play the long game, and like you said, it. It's easier said than done and sometimes it's easy when the market is and, and everything seems to be on the up. You're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, play the long game." But then when it's like, "Oh no, I'm you know, I have money and it's losing value and whatever." Okay, yeah, well then you start to freak out a little bit. So, um, yeah. Uh so a, a lot of what we are discussing today, you cover and I'm just going to make a plug for it right now in your monthly newsletter Money Minute. Uh, and so I was going to make a, be sure to make a plug for that because that's where yeah. like the, uh, Russian ruble and a couple of things we're going to talk about here today. Yeah. So, um, how, do, how, uh, if somebody out there was, uh, interested, kind of pause here for a little ad break for financial pathway, if yeah. you will, uh, how would somebody uh, get connected and, and get this newsletter?
1: Yeah. Go to, go to my Facebook page, financial pathway. You'll find it on mm-hmm. Facebook and I've got a, uh, a, a link there. Or you can just go to my website, nateskelly.com, and there's like a little pop-up that'll come up after like 15 seconds and you can you can sign up for the updates. So I really enjoy it because each month, basically what I do is I just say, what are like four of the most interesting articles that I've seen this month? And I'll share them there. I'll share some popular posts, some different graphics, things that have caught people's attention. And then I'll usually throw up um, you know one of my podcast episodes for the week. So really what I try to do is it's kind of like a highlight reel of the mm. month for finances, just things that I think are interesting or that you should be aware about. And it's just, it's a little bit of everything. Like uh, like this month, let me, let me pull it up here. So yeah, we're an article on the Russian ruble, um, the Mormon church. This is, I, I was shocked to find this out. I only found out about this a few weeks ago. Yeah, this the Mormon church has this huge fund, like investment fund. It's over a hundred billion dollars. <laughs> Um, they started it back in the 1970s. And I, I don't know all of the kind of the hierarchical system of the Mormon church, but they, they tithe, you know? And so I think all the churches that are part of the Mormon church, all of the individual congregations, they send money to Salt Lake city to the main mm-hmm. headquarters. And part of that money gets put into the hedge fund. So obviously you've got millions of Mormons worldwide. They're paying tithes. Part of that money is getting funneled to the main Head organization and they're they're setting some of it aside.
0: Yeah. So it started yeah, with like
1: one billion back in the nineteen seventies, which you know back then that was still a lot of money, but of course it's grown over time, and with these last couple of years in the market being as good as they are, um, it's it's grown even more. So to put that in perspective, like Harvard, their endowment fund is forty one billion, and they have the largest. Well. Wow. So it's Harvard, that's, Yale and MIT, you combine all their endowment funds it's still not as much.
0: It's it's as yeah, the
1: church has. That's $100 so, billion
0: dollars and it's and they're a religious nonprofit organization. I mean that is that is wild.
1: Yeah, I don't know like yeah, so like tax-wise they should be able to as long as they use the funds for the purposes of their ministry and not for like business purposes should be not taxable and i know that that would rub some people the wrong way they're like that's not fair that's you know but um well i, I that's that's a whole nother thing i guess um i i don't think it should be taxed i mean i don't obviously agree with the mormon church and their beliefs but but i, I think it's important to have religious protections in place yeah. for um those those needs but um like to you just to use like normal distribution rates, like people talk about the 4% withdrawal rule, Mm -hmm. basically the idea is, okay, if you want to start taking money from your portfolio at a safe rate to where the money can still grow and you're not going to spend it all down, sometimes people are just like, just do 4%. Now I have a little bit of a different system and I think it allows for more withdrawals and, Anyway, but that's that's a whole other thing. But just like just to use the four percent withdrawal rate, just as a rule, so that means the Mormon Church could theoretically take out four billion dollars a year for their funding purposes and not risk spending down that money. It could yeah. still grow over the long term. And I, I definitely don't think they're taking out four billion a year. No, so I think no. that thing's just going to keep growing. The question is, what are they going to even use that for? Um, I mean, I guess it's a good problem to have for them. Yeah, like $100 yeah. hundred billion dollars. Much wow. better
0: than the uh, than our government. You know, like I said, they got the opposite problem. Um, right, right. But uh, yeah, maybe that's yeah. what they'll do.
1: They'll help the U.S. government pay down. <laughs> I'm sure. Point zero two yeah. percent of their debt.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'd be a great. That'd be a great uh, use of their funds. But the government would gladly would gladly figure out a way to get to get their hands on this. I'm sure.
1: Uh, that's very true. That's yeah. very true. But um, uh, I mean.
0: I mean, hey, when you're when you're the Mormon Church, I believe you know they when you hear the word tithe in Christian circles, that's you know we think ten percent. If I if I understand Mormon doctrine, their their required giving is somewhere in the neighbor of tw- neighborhood of twenty percent. I think if uh, oh. I I've heard that before. I don't know. I don't you know Google me see if I'm right. But uh, yeah. I I'd heard that before that uh, and supposedly again. Uh, if there's some Mormon out there or somebody that's uh, LDS and they're like, no, you got it all wrong. Okay, fine. Tell me. Um, but uh, I believe if you leave the church and you stop giving and you want to come back, there is a, um, there is a back tithe, like literally like, I don't know if it's the full <laughs> amount or what, but I, I again, oh, maybe that's not true. Uh, I, I, I'm not, uh, that's just a little tidbit that uh, I heard a while back. And so, um, but anyways, it, If that is true, though, it's like okay, it makes sense how you could uh, accumulate because the Mormon Church has always been known for, like, even outside of this figure, they've always been known of being like, you're not struggling for money, like you're, you know, you got your gold towers and all this stuff that you're building. (laughs) Clearly, there's there's some funds there. So, uh, yeah, yeah, my um, yeah,
1: my my friend Dennis Fountain, who's out in Washington State, he's like in the middle of the state. I when I was out there, he was telling me they're building this huge. New temple nearby them. I think it might be in his town, um, in Moses Lake, but there's a huge Mormon population kind of up in that northwest, not necessarily like Seattle, but like Washington, Idaho, Oregon, like yep. the, kind of the more rural parts of the state. And so it would be kind of centrally located for a lot of them. And um yeah, it's just it's crazy. So obviously they've got the money. So maybe that money's coming from that big investment fund. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, But uh, yeah, a hundred billion dollars when I saw that, I was like, that, that is, that is crazy.
1: And here's the other thing too. Like I just, so here's what was so crazy to me. I saw that. I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. But then as I go and I talk to churches about stewardship and, and giving, we talk, you know, talk about practical finance. And one thing that I always try to bring up is like in your, in your personal planning, it's great to plan for retirement, have a bucket list, things you want to do, places you want to go. That's great. But like, why are we so hesitant to tell people to consider the church in their legacy giving Hmm. or their goals?
0: Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of Connection Culture. And before we go, I do want to make sure that if you haven't yet, you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You can also subscribe on YouTube, and we'd really appreciate that. And you also want to make sure you're signed up for those weekly emails so that you can absolutely make sure you're not missing content from us. You could sign up for that for free at mustincrease.com slash letter C. Letter C, that's mustincrease.com slash C-C. Well... I really look forward to seeing you in the next episode. And I do hope that if you find this content helpful, that you will like and you will share it and you'll let somebody else know about this. Because when you do that, you're actually playing a significant role in being a creative contributor. And then what you're going to find is that it's actually so much more fulfilling to be that meaningful creative contributor than it is to be a mindless constant consumer. I'll see you next time right here connection culture